0: That was amazing. Heard a lot of great testimonies, Uh and the week before with Georgian, my friend, yeah, Georgian was here. He's a blast, Uh, Georgian Banoff. And uh, but now the poor you have with you always, so (laughs) just me. And we're gonna continue. Thank you. I think I missed you too. I had a great time in England though. (laughs) Um, So we're continuing on the sermon on the mount. And um, going to be talking about trust. No, we're going to be talking about lust. So, our favorite topic to talk about in church, right? So let's begin with um, by reading the, the, the portion of text that we're going to be looking at. You have heard that it, Jesus is continuing his sermon, uh, verse 27 to 30. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Now do remember that uh, it's not gender specific. Uh, In the writing of that day, they would just use uh, uh, consistent gender throughout, but you know it goes both ways. What's good for the goose is good for the gander. If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. You know, it's going to be a good sermon when the technical glitches are numerous. What is the deal? Come on. Just go to the next slide. Next slide. Can you do it from there? Alright, next, push it in. You know the next commandment. This is from the message. It's the same portion of Scripture. I'm turning the clicker back on to see if that might work. All right. Okay, you know the next commandment pretty well. Don't go to bed with another spouse. But don't think you've preserved your virtue simply by staying out of bed. Your heart can be as corrupted by lust even quicker than your body. Those leering looks that you think nobody notices, they're also corrupt. Let's not pretend this is easier than it really is. If you want to live a morally pure life, here's what you have to do. You have to blind your right eye the moment you catch it in a lustful leer. You have to choose to live one-eyed or else be dumped on the moral trash pile. And if you have to chop off your right hand the moment you notice it raised threateningly, better a bloody stump than your entire being discarded for good in the dump. Alright, well that was Jesus' words. Could you turn down my mic just a little bit? Jesus continues with the second illustration of His point that kingdom righteousness must exceed legalistic righteousness of the Pharisees. Please keep in mind that that's Jesus' point. He's going through a list of examples. He's not giving a complete teaching on each one of these topics, but He's using them as examples that the righteousness expected of His followers, Christ's followers, Kingdom righteousness must exceed the legalistic righteousness of the Pharisees. And he's comparing uh, that uh, in, in a number of different ways. The first comparison that we looked at a few weeks ago was anger. And that he said that if you're angry, it's equal to murder. Now he addresses the issue of adultery and lust. As with the issue of anger... Uh, Jesus begins with the wrong behavior, identifying what the wrong behavior is, and then follows it with a proper response. And we're going to look at that uh, uh, just as we did with anger a few weeks ago, concerning this issue of lust. Now, I know that nobody here deals with lust. <sighs> ha 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 ha! Actually, no. This is this is just such a prevalent issue. And in fact, I would say there's no one here that doesn't deal with it. Our culture is is so saturated with sexuality because sex sells. Okay? it really does. I had a good friend that used to work in the advertising industry as an artist, and he was this he was he was disgusted by it because as an artist, he had to reduce everything to sexuality in order for the corporate executives to approve his ad layouts because sex sells. And, and so our whole culture, of the sexuality level, is, is off, the, off the charts. And all of our technology and entertainment industry has just found ways to make everything sexualized. And so this is an issue we all struggle with. So Jesus identifies the wrong behavior. <clears throat> See, the thing is, technology has changed. A lot. A lot in the world has changed. But really, the important things... In human behavior, have not changed. People still lust. People lusted then, they lust today. People struggle with anger then, they struggle with anger today. Jealousy, you know, all of the real issues are the same. We just have different devices. So we think we've advanced, but we really haven't, you know, because humanity is humanity. They're human problems. So Jesus says the wrong behavior. You've heard. It was said of old, "You shall not commit adultery." But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Boom! He lays it down in the name of Jesus. Clicker work. I'm now dealing with it. Did you just do it, or did I do it? All right. All right. So uh, he he commands. He, he enters in the the next commandment. Ah. Oh. You shall not commit adultery. So he's referring to one of the Ten Commandments. All right? This is not Jesus referring to some pharisaical misinterpretation. He's actually referring to one of the Ten Commandments. But he intensifies the law by applying it equally to the inner heart issue of lust. All right? So what is lust? <clears throat> Let's talk about it a little bit. It's to set the heart upon, to, to long for, to covet, to desire uh, to to feign after, you know. Oh, uh, to lust after. Also uh, uh, used of those who seek things forbidden. So it, it particularly refers to, to uh, unbridled desire for things that are not rightfully yours. Uh, Jesus combines really the sixth and the tenth commandment, which talks about coveting. Thou shalt not covet your neighbor's wife as long as uh, all the other stuff. And so this idea of lust and, and covet covetousness is combined and Jesus is addressing both of the issues. But the main point that Christ uh, brings to issue and, and that is communicated here is that the act begins with the affection or the attitude. All right? So now it's the Pharisaical uh, legalism you know, was like, as long as I don't commit the act, it's okay. And Jesus is saying, no, kingdom righteousness goes far beyond that. It equates, it makes equal the attitude or the affection with the act. Does that make sense? So if it's going on in your heart, it's the same. The act and the desire are equal and both lead to hell, lead to destruction. The Life Application Bible puts it this way. Jesus said that the desire to have sex with someone other than your spouse is mental adultery. And thus, sin. Now, does that need to be explained? (laughs) You know, it's not the things that we don't understand that gives us trouble in the Bible. It's the stuff that we understand. That's the stuff that's difficult, isn't it? Jesus emphasized that if the act is wrong, then so is the intention. That's the bottom line. You can apply that to anything. If any act would be sinful, then the desire of doing that act or fantasizing that act or living the act out in your mind mentally is equally sinful and destructive. Okay. To be faithful to your spouse with your body... But not your mind is to break the trust. See, I told you we were talking about trust. So vital to a strong marriage. Did you get that? To be faithful to your spouse with your body, but not with your mind, is to break the trust. That's, that's vital to strong marriage. So you can't think that you, know, you, you can do whatever you want in your mind as long as your body doesn't behave in a particular way. Jesus is saying no. This all goes back to a teaching that I've been pounding on for a couple of years is our, our integrity, our unity, our oneness of body, soul, and, and spirit. That we're to be one. <clears throat> Jesus is not condemning natural interests in the opposite sex or even healthy sexual desire, but the deliberate and repeating, fi- repeated filling of one's mind with fantasies that would be evil if acted out. I thought if I stood over here, it was going to work. Just hit the button if you see me do this and it's not working. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) France commentator says, Jesus' intention is therefore to prohibit not a natural sexual attraction, but the deliberate harboring of desire for an illicit relationship. Jesus here emphasizes that such coveting is not only implicit theft, but implicit adultery. So coveting is the theft. What lusting is to adultery? Does that make sense? Coveting is the theft. What lusting is to adultery? The corruptive, destructive, uh, uh, the corrupt, destructive behavior comes from a corrupt, destructive heart issue. And kingdom righteousness is not just about outward acts, but it begins with the heart issue. Now that does not mean that the outward act doesn't mean anything. Jesus is saying you need to deal with the issue while it's still in the heart. And boy, if it gets to the outside act, you're way behind the eight ball. Kingdom righteousness addresses sin at the heart. Ooh, there we go. So we're going to teach how to lust. I thought this would be helpful. In case there's anyone here not sure what I'm talking about teaching by using a negative example but uh, you know this is a process and let's just be honest how this works and 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 adultery and loss is particular in the area of sexuality you can lust after you can covet after anything but we're talking about sexual uh, and romantic uh, lusting and so the first thing you do if you want to lust is to picture the picture the uh Picture the object. Picture the cupcake. We're going to lust after a cupcake. If you'd prefer to imagine a beefcake, you can go ahead. Sorry. (laughs) So, you know, you picture it. Or, Or say you're walking and you see a cupcake in the store window. Yeah, victorious cupcakes. A sure way to lose your victory. <laughs> and y'all, that's, that's a nice cupcake. Oh, don't get ahead of it. <clears throat> oh, don't go back now. And the next step is you begin to mentally undress the cupcake. Let's be honest, folks. This is what happens. Hmm. Wow. Huh. This all goes on in your mind. You mentally undress the cup. What would that look like? What would she look like? What would it be like? You know, or you picture yourself with the individual. You start to fantasize. Not only do you enjoy... See, it's one thing to see a cupcake and oh, that's a beautiful cupcake. It's oh, a nice-looking cupcake. Wow. God, what a great cupcake. But then they go, oh, no, it's that cupcake was mine. <laughs> we'd peel off... I was going to have one up here. We'd peel off the, the paper. We'd memorize its ingredients. You play it over in your mind, and over in your mind. You notice the curve of the frosting. Yeah. You notice how those those uh, sparkles, you know, are just perfectly placed on those curves. The texture of the cake and the moisture, and boy, that that wrapper is just perfectly hanging from the side of that cake. Yes, thank you for our graphic. Uh, graphic artists, our creative arts intern for for uh, Emily did this. <coughs> All right, and then you imagine its its smell, its taste. You think, oh wow, if I was close enough, what would it smell like? What would it taste like? You just you're running this over and over in your mind, thinking about the texture. Oh, what would it feel like? What is what would, what a, well, you know. And you start to you start to go beyond just what you see from a distance and you act as though it's yours. And you treat it as though it's something that belongs to you when it's not. And that's lusting. And continuing to do that. And we play that over our mind it gets bigger and bigger, it becomes a bigger uh, influence in our lives. And then you compare your boring little <laughs> corn muffin that's been faithful all these years <clears throat> to this, this wonderful, vivacious cupcake on the shelf. And you go back, and boy, if, if, my, if my corn muffin... Oh, thanks. There you go. <clears throat> oh, man. Oh, wow, it does smell good. So this one has white frosting on it. <clears throat> <laughs> yeah, it bleached his hair just for the day. <laughs> You're really well done up, Dave. <clears throat> you know, you go back. If my if my my corn muffin had 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 that kind of hairdo, you know, my corn muffin never has sprinkles like that. I'd be happy. I'd be fulfilled if 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 what I had looked like that and smelled. Oh wow. <clears throat> oh man, I wonder what. Oh wow. And then you uh, you think about it all day long. You just allow it to run through your... And you know, maybe it's not all day long. Maybe it's just for three minutes. Maybe it's for 30 seconds. See, The longer you allow yourself to lust or to mentally go over all of the things that you find attractive and something that's not yours, you're just building up that lustful lustiness in your mind. And so the sooner you can stop the better. But so so playing it over, undressing it, going down to the details, <clears throat> that's lusting. All right? That's the process. And our 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 world is really set up. It's trained us how to do that very quickly because advertisements only have like thirty seconds. By the end of that thirty seconds, they want you lusting after whatever it is they're selling. all right and they're they're really they really are good. billions of dollars are spent on an industry that provokes it through uh, through images and sounds. Right? and we're bombarded constantly and and uh, and so understanding that that all happens within our mind is is really important. now, There's another issue called romantic fantasy. Hit the button. There we go. Uh, Jesus is addressing addressing, uh, both romantic fantasy and pornography. So this is our porno sermon of the year. All right. But I combine them both: romantic or erotic fantasy. It doesn't matter if it's. Pictures or text uh, or audio or video. If it's erotic, if it's romantic, and if it's fantasy, it's adultery. Uh, both, this is what I tell people that come to me that are struggling with this. And listen, the only way I've found uh, 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 to deal with this that works for a benefit is to be very blunt. Okay? Both are coward's way to have an affair. If you're looking at pornography, or if you're having a fantasy relationship with a fictional character or an imagine or someone that may be real, but they don't even know you exist, but you have this fantasy life with them, all right? That's just like having an affair, but you don't have the courage to go out and have an affair. It doesn't make it better, does it? Have I got your attention? <laughs> Yeah, we can read a love story and be caught up with the virtue of of the people that are involved in the love story. And there can be healthy, uh, you know, most of, I mean, the whole history of humanity is a love story. Okay? God's interaction with mankind is a love story. And so the reason there are so many love stories is because it, it catches on to the theme of the whole of created universe. Okay? Because of primary character. Yeah. Yeah, but there's a difference between uh, a healthy, um, a proper reading of a, a love story and something that is intended to just provoke in you lustfulness or uh, inappropriate desire for something you don't have. And part of it depends on you. You can read something and it will provoke you to uh, sinly, sinful uh, desires and thoughts where somebody else could read it and go, oh, what a virtuous story because of the condition of your heart. Both are equally as damaged, both being whether it's uh, pornography or uh, um, romantic fiction, erotic fiction. Um, listen, one of the best sellers, booksellers in the last year was this Shades of Grey book, and that's they call it mommy porn. It is just as bad as going on some triple X Porn site and looking at pictures. You know, I haven't read it, but I've read about it, and apparently it's quite vivid portrayal of um, illicit relationships. <clears throat> Both are equally as damaging to your soul. Click the button uh, and your marriage. <clears throat> so the idea is they're damn. Everybody say damaging to, damaging to my soul. And this is an idea you have to understand with sin. Now, you can be forgiven of sin and still go to heaven, but throughout your life, if you're continuing to sin, you're damaging your soul. All right? Now, if we literally, every time we sin, took a, a, a ice pick and, and, and stuck us, maybe that'll fix it, <coughs> stuck our arm, we'd go, after a few of these, you'd go, this is kind of stupid. But we, we, we poke our soul and there's all these wounds and it weak, weakens us and it damages your marriage present or future so single people just cuz you're mar- not married doesn't mean this doesn't affect your marriage it does and it does significantly significantly right so like, p- purity of mind Jesus is, is 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 nailing it on the head here it's an issue that really does affect all who yield to either romantic fantasy or porno are guilty of partaking in the whole of what the industry perpetuates. Okay, which would be prostitution, human trafficking, drug abuse. Okay, so if you click on a pornographic website or buy a pornographic movie or buy something like Shades of Grey or any of the countless uh, erotic literature that's out there, um, even if you use it without paying for it, you are participating in an industry that is producing millions of people bound in sex trade, bound in drug abuse. You know, and it's hard to really understand this until you're sitting in a room with a young woman who is telling you how after they were given particular drugs, in order to get more of those drugs, they were willing to do anything and had done anything to get more of those drugs. Okay? And so, let me just share from my personal experience. Don't wait till you have to endure that, or, or live a life that maybe you can avoid that. You're not, but you're the cause of it. If you're consuming, if you're a consumer of that industry, you're the reason that industry exists. Are you hearing me? Okay. When, when several young women that I've been invo- uh, that I've had the opportunity to, to minister to over the years have been caught in that and now those. Pictures and videos, even though they they may have repented and are getting right, they're out there, alright? And they're being used. And so they're constantly being used, even though their hearts change. Next slide, please. Cupcake. Seeing it and desiring it is not a sin. <clears throat> Coveting and lusting after it is. So I can see a beautiful woman or... Uh, you can you can imagine you know if you, you see a couple that are loving one another you go, oh that's what I'd love or I see a beautiful woman all oh, that wow that she's amazing uh, you know that, acknowledging their beauty is one thing and then stopping there is what you just and again I find it God what a great job you know bring God into the conversation it really helps but it, it's when you steal it that it's wrong and so it's easy to understand for me I think it helps. That if, you, if you're really hungry and you go into a store and you're really hungering after something that's on the shelf, that's not a sin, right? It's just that hunger. Well, sexual appetite is similar to, to natural uh, food appetite, but it becomes a sin when you grab it and take something that's not yours. And so you steal from yourselves, actually, and your spouse when you give affection to them to fantasy characters. And real or fictional, in other words, you can have a fantasy about somebody that's real. Or it can be just a complete fantasy. It can be a manga depiction or a cartoon depiction of sexuality uh, or pornographic. When you uh, give your sexuality and your emotional uh, uh, side of sexuality to that fake relationship, you're stealing from yourself. You're stealing from your spouse. All right? <clears throat> you're also stealing from those people that are involved. When you take sexual fulfillment from them that belongs to their spouse, whether they're married or not, their future spouse, see, it rightfully belongs to their spouse. You're using them for your sexual pleasure. Bottom line, let's just be honest about this issue. Now, I could quote statistics, but basically, you know, one book written about pornography is it's every man's battle. And, and, and recent studies show that with women in America, it's just as prevalent. Alright? And so I know we all struggle with this, so I'm just, I'm just being straightforward. Is that alright? No. Okay, thanks. Everybody's quiet today. <laughs> Jesus is saying that this behavior is every bit as wrong and destructive as acting out the behavior through adultery. So, <clears throat> it's really easy in our day to, to commit adultery because all we have to do is click the mouse on the computer, or pick up a book, download a Kindle, uh, uh, turn a page. Um, uh, and Jesus is saying that's that's the same uh, sinful, destructive behavior as if you uh, uh, picked up a, someone on the street and spent the night with them. Now this is the right response. <coughs> if your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. Anyone want to come up and demonstrate that? Cast it from you, for it is more profitable that one of your members perish and for your whole body to be cast into hell. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you to, uh, that one of your members perish and for your whole body to be cast into hell. From the uh, 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 commentator, put, uh, explains it this way. Jesus makes His p- point memorable by exaggeration. I'll deal with that in a minute. France says He's exaggerating. Uh, the self-mutilization is not to be taken literally, but indicates that the avoidance of the temptation may involve drastic sacrifices, and that's absolutely true, which may include the severing of relationships or the renunciation of favorite activities. Right? <clears throat> you have to change your behavior. Life application Bible puts it this way: Sometimes we sometimes tolerate sins in our lives that, left unchecked, could eventually destroy us. It's better to experience the pain of removal, getting rid of a bad behavior, or something uh, we treasure even, for instance, if it's leading to a bad behavior, than to allow the sin to bring judgment and condemnation. It really is. It's the reality that judgment is awaiting. And that even as Christians, we will face the judgment seat of Christ. Not whether or not we'll spend eternal life with Him, but to to pay for the deeds done in our body. That's a direct quote from Scripture. You can look it up. Um, So I want to talk a little bit what is literal and what is figurative in Jesus' words. I don't think Jesus was exaggerating at all. Or merely being figurative. Jesus was speaking complete truth. Let's just think for a minute. What would be better Living your life with two eyes or spending eternity in hell? Hello? Being a one eyed man or no eye, right? What would be better, having two hands and being able to do whatever you want or spending eternity in hell? No question about it, all right? So that was absolutely true, it wasn't an exaggeration. Um, he's not telling us to gouge out our eyes though or cut off our our hands because that wouldn't stop lust talk to a blind person they can lust he was using that as a figurative example of the severity of how you must deal with these issues in your life what he's saying is very clearly cut it out Whatever leads you into sinful behavior, even the thought of sinful behavior, cut it out! And he used a gruesome illustration because it's a gruesome truth. It's a reality of life. Keep in mind the context. What is the context? This is what it means to be a Christ follower. This is what Kingdom Righteousness is all about. If you're going to follow Me, this is the path I walk. You don't have to follow Me, Jesus says. But if you're going to follow Me, cut these things out of your life. He's explaining what His Kingdom, Kingdom Righteousness is all about. Kingdom Righteousness is ruthless. And if you haven't experienced that yet, I challenge you to mature in your faith. All right, God is ruthless because He loves us ruthlessly. He will get to the heart of the issues in our lives. And we keep up walls to keep them, but He is dedicated to cutting out all of the stuff that is just wounding our souls and wounding the relationships in our lives. Deal with our heart issues ruthlessly. Removing lust, covetousness, anger, anything that leads to such behavior and the motivation that Jesus gives that Jesus gives is hell. Jesus was never afraid to talk about hell. Most of what we know about hell comes from Jesus. So anybody that writes a book or talks about Jesus not believing in hell is twisting scripture. Don't believe them. They have good intentions. They're good people. But Jesus would have a problem with them. It's not like we're more, uh, we're more uh, advanced now that we can understand more complex uh, uh, ideas. <laughs> that's craziness. Humans suffer with the same problems. Jesus spoke about hell because that is, a, that is a real motivation. Not just because it motivates you to change, but because it's a reality that's a destiny that some people will end up in. And Jesus and God is doing everything they can to prevent that. Does that make sense? Okay. <clears throat> but it's not merely through conforming outward behavior, right? That's Pharisaical legalism. But by renewing our hearts through faith and love in the person of Jesus Christ. So Jesus is using this as an example of how our righteousness must exceed uh, exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees. And the point is, is that we need to be transformed in our hearts. And, then, and by doing so, our hearts will be free. Now, in talking about something like Lust, I want to give you a tool. So I'm I'm, I'm straying a little bit from the passage just to give you a tool to deal with lust that I have found personally the most powerful tool uh, uh, there is in dealing with strong emotional bonds or emotional uh, uh, issues like lusting. Kingdom righteousness comes through being in right relationship with Christ, but how can we master our mind and our appetites? How can we really gain strength over the desires uh, in our lives? And I don't believe that there's anything as powerful as fasting. And uh, if you can learn how to deny yourself something you need, like food, (laughs) it becomes easy to deny yourself something you do not need, like sin. Does that make sense? Can you remember that? Okay. Okay. So one thing about fasting is that, uh, I'm again, I'm not going to do a whole teaching on fasting. I've just got one little slide here on it. But I want to just drop this in. You can talk to me later if you want to learn more about fasting. I can, I can teach you a lot about fasting. Um, I believe fasting gets a, a good fast or a beneficial fast is not just doing without something for a few days and grinding through it, <laughs> but actually getting to the place where, you know what, you, you forget to think about it. and in order to fast something you need so you can learn how to 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 do without something you don't need it actually has to be something you need so tv doesn't count <laughs> facebook doesn't count now, now i'm not saying that there's not value in fasting those things there's value in fasting those things but the value uh, or the benefit of being able to control your bodily appetite you need to fast something like food all right, now, there's a proper way. You need to learn how to do it in a healthy way. But get down to juice fasts um, in our day. Um, some authorities say are as stringent as water-only fast in ancient times. Because even Jesus, when He did a water-only fast, went out into the desert and didn't have to deal with people. <laughs> right? You know? A juice fast, if you're going to be having a regular schedule, there's different limited fasts. But you need to get to a place where you're really strictly limiting why? Because it, you you gain dominion over your appetite, right? And I'm telling you, it's powerful. It is really powerful. Um, it strengthens your command of your natural appetites and your and and your, your soulish issues. It's a powerful tool. Now, some people moving on from fasting. Some people say, "Well, hey, Jesus said if we lust for a woman, it's just as sinful as sleeping with them. So ha- I've already lusted. Might as well go all the way. What's the problem?" <clears throat> Acting out sinful desire is harmful in several ways. One, it causes people in society, and we live in a society now that everything's okay, uh, to excuse sin rather than stopping sin. So, Jesus is saying it's just as destructive to your soul. Jesus is saying the real way to deal with the behavior is is to deal with it at a heart issue. That's what Jesus is saying. He's talking about kingdom righteousness. He's not saying it's okay to do the act since you've already done the thought. Alright? It destroys marriages. So in this issue of lusting and committing adultery. And negatively affects all relationship. If you actually have a romantic relationship, whether it involves sexuality or not, but especially if it involves uh, kissing or touching or physical expressions or intimacy, uh, sexuality, then you're just, you're you're taking a chainsaw to your your marriage, present or future, and it will affect every other relationship in your life. That's just the reality. Plus, it's deliberate rebellion against God. That should get your attention. And it hurts the other person. So now it's not just someone you've sinned and, and hurt your own soul, but you've brought them into that. So don't do it. Why not? Sinful action is more harmful than sinful desire. Nevertheless, sinful desire is just as damaging to our souls and it's just as damaging to our right standing before God, our righteousness. Close with prayer. Um, Let's just close our eyes for a minute. I realize I've, I've kind of, you know, just let loose with some really tough issues, stuff that many of us struggle with And it's tender issues, and I don't want to be insensitive to that. The truth is is that the Holy Spirit is present. He's the comforter, He comes to bring us into righteousness. I don't want condemnation to be on anyone, all right? But freedom. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. But I do want to see freedom from sin and not just from the penalty of sin. Communion, Jesus' blood, washes us from the penalty of sin. But it also frees us from the power of sin. You don't have to lust. You don't have to sin. You don't have to be caught in a life of fantasy. So Father, right now, for everyone in this room, I just pray blessing. And I pray freedom. I pray that You would walk their hearts through these issues in a way that causes them, enables them, empowers them To live free in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, we have some announcements coming up. We'll hide the. Oh, thank you. Second service. Don't lead me into lust. Okay. I'll keep it out of sight.